Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey folks, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Will Spencer is the current executive director of the American Warrior Association. Will is a very dear and close friend of mine. He is a retired Navy SEAL Master Chief who conducted 14 overseas deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Southeast Asia while assigned to multiple SEAL teams and Special Operations Command commands during his long naval career from 1991 to 2017. He holds a master's degree in strategic intelligence from the American Military University. He is currently the host of the brand new Beautiful War podcast, and we'll get more to that. But Will Spencer, my brother, hoo and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. hoo Thank you so much for having me, brother. Good to see yeah, you again. Absolutely. You're looking good. Well, I'm trying to hang in there, you know, that, that little motor ac- motorcycle accident uh, three years ago kind of set me back, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, keeping up back with my PT and everything. Yeah, I appreciate you staying in the fight. You know, you're Always. fighting the good fight. You're in the trenches taking grenades. Just don't ride motorcycles anymore. Uh, that, that's done. That's done. I, I've had 30 years on motorcycle. That's done. Let's talk about something. You know, um, what was the impetus for you to become, you know, what I truly call uh, an American Spartan warrior, to be a, a Navy SEAL? And your background with all the training credentials, I mean, SEAL sniper uh, instructor, you know, static line and free fall jump master and things of this nature. Uh, what was the inspiration for you to want to be the best of the best? Look, generational service for myself and my family was always a huge tradition of the Spencer tribe. Uh, My grandfather served. My father served. Two of my older brothers served all in the Army. Mm. I was the black sheep, went Navy, (laughs) mostly because at the time I had a a few good teachers and mentors and coaches in my life as I was coming up uh, in school. And uh, my wrestling coach and my water polo coach was like, Will, and they had a couple friends who were in the SEALs, and they saw a little bit of the aggression that I had, a, a little bit of my front side focused uh, mindset that I had. And they said, you should do this. They saw something in me. They talked to me about it. They gave me good mentorship. There were good people that gave me great advice. They said, hey, you know, you're right. I do want to serve my country. I love my country. Uh, and I wanted to go to a place where they said I could get a lot of good work and it'd be adventurous. And it kind of my spirit was led that way, I would say. And also, I was also raised on John Wayne. I actually watched the Green Berets. I almost went that way, to so, be honest Of course, with you. everybody because, wanted to be, yeah. You're right. You know, and I, all those good spaghetti westerns. But John Wayne, he was a role model yeah. um, to me, for sure. And uh, he, to me, was he carried the American swagger yeah. on how you should possibly be as an American. Say what you mean, what you mean, what you say. Serve with honor and dignity, you know speak quietly but carry a big stick kind of a thing and and i loved it almost in the army but i rebelled and i'm rebellious by nature 
So I went and, and tried to become a Navy SEAL, and uh, it served me well. Yeah, but see, at your heart, you wanted to be a, a, an American Special Forces guy, a Green Beret, but you wanted a better-looking uniform because uh, we don't have good-looking uniforms in the Army. So you got that. And really, truthfully, I, I mean, you, you know, you're still a ground warrior. And so, you know, that's the camaraderie that we have, especially in the Special Operations Command. Talk to us, what was probably the most memorable experience for you in your military career as a, as a Navy SEAL? You know, there, there's so many of them, to be honest with you, you know, in, in all my deployments and what I've seen overseas with all the great people that I've worked with to my left and right of me. And you're right what you hit on the brotherhood. You know, when there's only two times in life that you actually feel unconditional love. You feel it when you have children. You love them no matter what. You will risk your life. You will put your life on the line for them. And just like you and me, when you're out there on the battlefield with your fellow brothers and sisters in harm's way where there's grave danger around, you feel unconditional love because, you know, we would come for each other no matter what. We would run in the harm's way to save each other. We would look out for each other. And you just don't get that in real life. So I've had many of those experiences, fortunately, that I actually walked away from. But I got like the one thing I'm proud about in my service is that I was able as a leader when I, it was my time to lead um, as a ch platoon chief, as a troop chief, um, to bring everybody home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you know, the deal in, in war and conflict, you could do everything right. You could make all the right calls. Mm -hmm. You could have decisive uh, action and decision making. You could do everything right. The enemy still has the last vote. And you, use, you can lose great and good people even when they're doing everything right. And fortunately, you know, and, and I always say God willing, uh, I was able when I was a leader to fortunately bring everybody home. And, and yeah. you know, winning the war was the first priority. But bring, bringing everybody home to me was uh, right there. Yeah. Shoulder to shoulder with that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You got to be able to take care of your men in, in combat situations, and they know the sacrifices that uh, have to be made. But the decisions that you make as a leader, you know, without a doubt, you identify the risks and you do everything you can to mitigate those risks. Uh, but there is that realization that someone may not make it out. But kudos to you, uh, because that's one of the things that my dad taught me uh, before I took off to go to uh, Fort Sill for my officer basic uh, course training as an artilleryman. He said, you got to take care of your soldiers. And he was an old World War II guy. And I always remembered that. And so let's transition. You know, I just came back from Washington, D.C., spent three days up there and was really focusing on the National Defense Authorization Act and some of the things we see happening in our military. When you look at the recruiting and the retention numbers that are going down, uh, what are your concerns that you see right now with our military readiness, our capability and capacity? And is, are some of these things also filtering over, not just from the big Army or big Navy, but down to the special operation forces as well? You know, you, you, you hit on a big problem that every American should be concerned about right now in the times that we're in. My oldest son just got out of the military after serving nine years. Mm -hmm. Generational service is eroding because of the many issues that we're facing today as Americans. Um, currently, I think the statistic is that only 23% of the younger generation are even uh, uh, able to serve as far right. as making weight requirements, physical mm -hmm. requirements, mental requirements, education requirements. Out of the 23% of the younger generation that's even able or fit the uh, uh, standards to serve, 
only eight to nine percent of them are even potentially willing to serve. Mm -hmm. And then you break it on down from there. Right now, we have an all volunteer force, which gives a lot of hardship, pain and suffering for the majority of American families across the board. If we lose the all volunteer force and it comes towards uh, conscription slash draft military like we had in Vietnam, mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot of Americans in the families bear the equal yoke and weight of war and conflict and all the ugliness that that brings. But on the flip side to that, on the positive side, you're going to provoke a lot of attention, a lot of critical thinking, a lot of hey, why are we in this conflict? Why are we engaging into this? Why are we about to go towards World War III with Russia and dealing with the issue in Ukraine? My son or daughter might get pulled into that vortex. Now they're going to be concerned, and it's going to be a very sobering wake-up call for many Americans if we lose our volunteer force. You know, and that's interesting because the volunteer force it hits its 50th anniversary this year. And a lot of people predicted it would fail. But I think because of that generational service that you talked about, same thing in my family, it's been able to be sustained. And we always saw that semblance of honor, integrity and character. But when you look at the military, you know, today and some of the focuses it has on a lot of this, you know, I'll be very honest, this leftist ideological agenda instead of really talking about, you know, how do we go out and 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 you know, recruit and, and, and train and deploy and fight and win. I mean, you know, who wants to join into a military where we make this incredible strategic operational and tactical debacle called Afghanistan? Uh, and so we have got to do better at the senior levels of leadership and as well as the civilian uh, leadership levels that oversees our military. How do you think we can do better as veterans, you and I now, in communicating that and inspiring that next generation? Because, Will, you and I are the real one percenters in this country. And, and you're right. Uh, we've outsourced our national defense to very few families. And now when those very few families are saying, you know, mm, I don't think I want, you know, my child to be in this type of military. How do we turn this around? Well, it's going to be really difficult to actually turn it around. And the reason why is, you know, folks like you and I who speak truth, who are standing up for the American values and principles that our forefathers started this country on, you know, we're in the trenches taking grenades in uniform and out of uniform. Mm -hmm. Sadly, we have those in leadership today who had never been in the trenches, who would never send their sons and daughters into harm's way. You know, we have poor examples in leadership today at the very top all the way down, even to their own children. You know, the fruit never falls too far from the tree. How can you ask a good, God-fearing, patriotic family? I have three fun sons myself. How can you ask us to put our sons and daughters into harm's way, serving for people who never and would never go into harm's way to fight for this country? We have folks in leadership positions that are actually what I would call professional cowards, undermining the integrity and the values of our nation, who expect our sons and daughters to, to wade into the fray, to go fight for them while they're protecting their sons or their daughters who are doing nefarious activities. I mean, it, the stark reality, the contrast is almost blinding. And everybody who's logical, reasonable, see it. And they do not want their own children, who they love, be subjected to the disparity uh, and of the wokeness of this this uh, narrative that's coming in from social experimentation into our families that we know is wrong, that we know is not right, and is bad for our country. So what you're seeing is the falling off of a warrior class of a nation not willing to put the people they love into harm's way, serving for those people 
we're actually teaching our country to hate ourselves. You know, it's interesting you say that because if you go back and you look 50 years ago or so, you know, you had anywhere from 65 up to about maybe 71, 72 percent of people that served, you know, in Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill, uh, that have been in the military, that have worn a uniform. And once upon a time, you never thought of a person running to be president that had never served in, in uniform, and especially never served in combat. How do yeah. you think, and now, I mean, that number is only 18 uh, percent in the House and the Senate up there. It, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Do you think it's time for warriors to start looking at going over and crossing into the uh, field of elected office? Because that's a battlefield as well. And I know that you and I have had some discussions about you even considering that. You know, I, I call those that, you know, have actually fought for our country true believers and patriots of, of this nation because you're willing to actually potentially lay down your life for the love you have for not only for your country, but your fellow countrymen. And those are the folks that we need in leadership positions today, especially in political office, because we have the ground truth and understanding of what happens to us ordinary folks that are on the ground, that are trying to survive, that are trying to do the hard labor, the hard work, earn our honest day's pay, pay our taxes, raise our family. We understand what it takes. We understand the sacrifices. And we, we have a great love for our nation. I'm not sure if those who've never served that are in political office today are actually doing it for the right agendas. It's starting to look mostly like they're doing it for their own personal agendas, mainly to get themselves and their family members rich off the coffers of the U.S. taxpayers. And so I think that's why we probably have a lot of poor decision making that's going against what we would call the norm of the American spirit. And so we absolutely need warriors in the ranks to get into public office and not be fearful of that public discourse or public attention. We know we're going to be attacked. We know that the, the other side of the aisle is going to attack us. They're going to attack our character, our personality. Even if they have no uh, uh, dignity, they'll even attack your family members uh, just to cast shade on you. It's dirty business in the political world. And so there's a different fight. And that fight is becoming more and more meaningful today as Americans are losing their way of life and their liberty, and their freedom, and their pursuit of their own personal happiness on a daily basis. We have to step up. It's time for people to either stand up or move aside, because we're about to lose our nation if good people, let alone the warriors, don't step up to fight in the next season of what matters for our nation. Well, you know, Sir Edmund Burke once said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing, of course, women as well. And so that's why, you know, I started this thing called the Guardian Fund to get more military conservatives up there to Capitol Hill. And I will tell you that the number of Navy SEALs that are up there on Capitol Hill right now is quite impressive. So, you know, hopefully your, your turn, you'll answer that call as well. And let's segue over to talk about the American Warrior Association because, you know, our warriors are still facing some challenges that are out there. And there are challenges from an enemy that is not as seen as the enemy that they fought on the battlefield. Tell us about the American Warrior Association. What inspired you to start that uh, organization? You know, I, I ran into some great patriots out there in Texas and um, just red-blooded Americans who love our country so dearly, who've been around the world in third and fifth world countries, understand what freedom is all about. They have the contrast in life and, and appreciate and are so grateful for what we have. But they were also saddened that they weren't 
set up in a time where they could have served themselves. You know, they missed that window of, ser- of, of service and uniform themselves. So in a way, they want to give back. They said, hey, Big Will, what can we do to give back? We understand the Veterans Administration is doing a lot of good work. We understand there's a lot of uh, BSOs out there who are doing good work by those that served. What can we do? And what I told them was this. I said, yep, they are. A lot of good folks out there doing a lot of good work, shoulder to shoulder, all links in the chain of goodness for America. But what we could do is put God first and heal the moral injuries of those who serve, not just our military, not just our veterans, but also the first responders who are serving daily in our communities and also their families who bear silently bear the sacrifices that they endure alongside them. And they don't get the medals. They don't get the slap, the pats on the back and they don't get the promotions. And so they said, well, how are we going to go about doing that? And what, what, what are moral injuries? You know, moral injuries are those things that occur sometimes in childhood, but definitely in war and conflict where you see or witness or experience or through action yourself undergo significant trauma and things that honestly humans uh, shouldn't experience, you know, the, the significant loss of life. Of, of, of those you're out there fighting against and of those who are your brothers and sisters in harm's way. You know, those are memories that that increase significant, potentially PTSD within people that they silently suffer from long after the battlefield has, has been away, you've been away from the battlefield. And so the way we do it is the way we heal moral injuries is by saying, you know what, you're loved, you're God, your creator loves you. We take them out in the, in, in the mountains of Colorado where they can experience peace and tranquility in God's creation. We teach God's words, a word, which is very simple. You're loved, you have grace, and you're forgiven. You got to turn the corner and move on. And that's really simple. Love, grace, and forgiveness. Your God loves you. You did your duty. You did your duty. You did the hard work. We love you for it. Your God loves you. Let's help you move on. And that's all we're doing is trying to heal those moral injuries of those who have served. You know, I know a police officer who got called to, to a, a little boy's party, birthday party. At the little boy's birthday party, the little boy choked on his own balloon on his own birthday party. Mm. The law, the, 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 the officer tried with all his heart and soul to save that kid. He couldn't save the child. Literally to this day, years later, every time he goes to a party, if there's balloons, he walks around, pops the balloon, puts the, the balloon, the, the, the rubber in his pocket so that not another child would ever choke on one especially at their own birthday party. That's a significant moral injury. Yeah. You know, we, we never remember as men and women, as Americans, the hundred great things we've done good. Yeah. We never remember that. But we'll always recall the one thing we wish we would have got right. We wish we could have saved the day. We wish we could have did this differently. He wished he could have saved that child's life. It's not his fault. And he needs to hear that. He's loved. He has grace and he has forgiveness. Your God wants that for you. He wants that for everybody who has served. And so that's what we do at the American War Association. And I think it's so important because, you know, a faith-based solution, because the VA and a lot of these other, you know, know, governmental agencies, they have a secular solution. They just give you a bag of pills or, or whatever and say, go out and, you know, medicate yourself to the detriment. Uh, many times of that veteran. But I think that it is about healing that heart. And the only thing that can heal a heart is the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the grace that God has given to us through him. And if we could have more of that, which is what you're doing with the American Warriors Association, and I know that uh, Chad Robichaux, who is a former uh, Marine Force Reconnaissance guy, he's doing that with Mighty Oaks. Uh, we need to support those type of organizations. Now, are you going to have another big gala down here in the uh, Fort Worth area again this year? 
Uh, we're going to have uh, another hoedown for heroes out there in Fort Worth, Texas on September 16th of this year. If you haven't gotten the invite, I'm going to surely send one out to you. I look forward to that without a doubt. And I look forward to coming out there and seeing you in San Diego. I'll be at a conference that talks about fatherlessness. And I think that you and I can attest that is so critical uh, to have that positive role model in the home when you're raising those young men. Let me close by asking you, uh, you know, the Beautiful War part podcast, you just started that. What, you know, compelled you to start uh, your own podcast? And how did you come up with the title, The Beautiful War? Because I'm sure there are people out there saying, there's nothing beautiful about war. War sucks. Da, 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 da. So where did you get that, that title, The Beautiful War? Yeah, you know, the whole process came about, actually, my, my oldest son who got in the military after serving nine years is one that talked me into it. You know, I'm a quiet professional. I don't really like the stage or the limelight, but we're at a time, just like you said, where warriors have to step up and start speaking the truth because yeah. we're losing everything that we actually fought for, that my friends have sacrificed and died for right in front of us right now. It's incrementally happening. Um we're giving, we're being very tolerant with it, but they've gone overboard across a lot of red lines, especially when they've gone after our women and children. Yeah. And I think when you get after uh, people's women and children, their families, all good men have to step up and we have to defend what's right. So you're right, though. There is no beautiful war. War is ugly. It's painful. It's hurtful. The only war in life that's beautiful is the one you actually win. And so when I talk about the beautiful war as an oxymoron, I'm talking about your personal struggle first. First, you have to win the wars in your life. Everybody's struggling with something, whether it's depression, anxiety, childhood trauma, this or that, in uniform, out of uniform, all the life struggles that we go through, um, the adversity and obstacles, the childhood cancer, all these different things. We want to talk about those personal you know, struggles, trials, and tribulations that people are going through and how they overcame it or what obstacles are facing to get through it. This is so that we can get that truth out there, the ground truth and the real stories. So people that would resonate with people so they can hear about how they need to handle things that they might be dealing with or someone that they love or know is dealing with. And then from there, we want to go towards the other bigger missions in the conflicts and wars that we all fight for each other. For instance, like as Americans right now, how, how, what's going on with equal justice for all? Instead of this two-tiered justice system, why aren't we having equal justice for all? Why, why can't we have equal opportunity for all? Why, why do we have a lot of treasonous things go on in our country? Why are we in Ukraine? Why should we be protecting Ukraine that's not a part of NATO that really was an ally? And you and I can attest to this, even with looking at where we're standing on the precipice of a potential World War III while we're losing our all-volunteer military, which is so significant, which means everybody's son and daughter might get pulled into a draft to fight the next war. Mm -hmm. You and I never saw Ukrainian shoulder to shoulder with us fighting 20 years of the war on terror, did we? Nope. So why are we over there sending over $100 billion? Why are we going to put boots in the ground? Why did we just send cluster munitions? We, we are $33, $34 trillion in debt in our own yes. country. For that much money, we could have already put one armed security guard or two police officers at every school in the nation to protect our children. Or we could have used that $100 billion to stop the 70,000 American citizens from dying of fentanyl overdose mm -hmm. every year. But instead, we're sending it over to Ukraine to push us towards World War III. So we're talking about fighting the conflicts and battles that really matter to Americans and that to the world. And that's the beautiful war we're all engaged in. The beautiful war starts with each and every one of us. And I think that is so important. And you must be a victor and not a victim. And I think it says in the Bible that we're all more than conquerors. 
Master Chief Retired United States Navy SEAL Will Spencer. Where can people follow you? Where can people follow the Beautiful War podcast? Learn more about the American Warrior Association and remind them again, all of us here in Texas, about your gala, the uh, Hoedown for Heroes. Yeah, so you can find the Beautiful War podcast on every social media platform. Go to YouTube, go to Rumble, go to Spotify, go to Instagram, um, go, go to all those things, even TikTok. You could TikTok the Beautiful War. Our whole thing is about getting that truth out there to edify, build wisdom within the ranks of Americans. And, and so you can go there. We also have a website, www.thebeautifulwar.com, podcast.com. And then for the American Warrior Association, do the same thing. Go to www.americanwarriorassociation.com or awa-usa.com. And uh, you can go in there. If you're a veteran, if you're in the military, if you're a first responder or a family member, please sign up for any one of our programs. We have the best God-fearing American patriots who pay for the programs for those that serve our nation. You're not forgotten. We're here for you. We want to heal those unseen wounds and get you back to good and help you be an integral part not only of, of this nation, but of, for your family. So let us do that. We got you, big dog. And then also, uh, so look us up online. We're there for you. And then the, the gala, the hoedown for heroes in Fort Worth this year, September 16th for everybody out there. You can look that up as well. Well, Big Will, my warrior brother, thank you so much for being with us here on the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And anytime I'm ready to come on the Beautiful War Podcast and be with you. Thank you, brother. May God bless you. May God bless your crew. And may God always bless America. Absolutely. May his countenance shine down upon you and this great nation. Thanks, Will. God be with you. And yes. Hoo-yah. Yes, you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Special thanks to my dear friend, Hoo-Ya, Master Chief Retired, Will Spencer, United States Navy SEAL for taking the time to be with us on this podcast. And as always, please click the like button if you like this podcast and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.